You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. we go again another episode of the hunting gear podcast is in progress i really appreciate each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen today we're going to be talking with josh stubbs of elevate stand company and these guys have recently i think as as recent as december decided they wanted to hop into the hang on tree stand i guess the hang on tree stand market and uh they're coming out with a brand new stand now this show the birth of this particular episode is because of uh some comments that were made in another episode and uh josh wanted to come on and kind of clear the air about the functionality and the design of the tree stand and that's what we get into today we talk about their laser cutting manufacturing process we talk about their design which is very unique compared to other hang-on stands we talk about the uh, introduction into the market the market uh, as a whole and just uh, a lot of other bs revolving hang-on tree stands and their particular products and where they're where he feels are going to be in that next year to two year uh, time frame and beyond so this is a really uh, cool episode um Lots of information about the company, and I think you guys are going to like it. It's just, it's just another option for the uh, the mobile guy. And uh, Josh is gonna is gonna pitch his company on this episode. Talk about the information, and we and we get it straight from the horse's mouth. So that's always a plus as well. Now, before we get into today's episode, we're going to do a commercial break here. Um, if you haven't gone uh, visited the Average Conservationist website yet, the averageconservationist.com I know that's a long title but go check out their apparel line it's badass they have a a variety of logo tees it's a lifestyle brand hoodies hats and some other things with their their artwork and their logos on it I'm telling you right now it's a a really cool uh, lifestyle brand I love their t-shirts I love their hoodies and one thing I really like about their uh, t-shirts is I call them the love handle shirts because they're tight around the shoulders and chest in the spots that make you look good, but not tight in the other 
uh, places <laughs> like the love handles. And I, I don't know. I just love the fit and I love the brand on top of that. They are giving 10% of all their profits to some form of conservation effort right off the top. So if you want to find out more about the brand, visit theaverageconservationist.com and check out their podcast on the Sportsman's Nation Network here. Next is uh, Novex. So you can go to novexoutdoors.com and check out their lineup of uh, tree stands. They're very similar to the Lone Wolf tree stands. Uh, that, that brand has gone uh, bye-bye. Again, I'm trying to work on Novex to come on the, the podcast and talk a little bit about the brand and uh, the products that they offer. Very similar, same exact functionality as the Lone Wolf's of days before uh, and that's why I love it it is the functionality that I love easy to set up easy to tear down easy to be mobile and uh, made in America products which doesn't hurt so uh, head on over to their website and then lastly hunt stand I've already been out doing a, a very short scout session and checking some trail cameras from uh you know, since the rut, I've, I've left them up since the rut and I'm going to go take them. I've taken a couple of them down and I've done some scouting and with hunt stand, what I'm doing is I am documenting just about everything I see, right? So the more dots on a graph that you see, and this is like statistics 101, the more information that you're going to be able to have to forecast whatever you're trying to accomplish, right? So if I on this graph, if I document rubs and scrapes and sightings and terrain features and trail camera images and satellite imagery, and I, I can put all that information on a map. And then I can look at the map and I can say, well, I don't need to worry about this spot right here because deer don't go here. Or there's a high concentration of deer movement in this funnel or this pinch point or this uh, travel corridor or bedding area or staging area or food source or whatever, right? And that information allows you to make more educated decisions on where you're going to place your tree stands, thus helping you in the long run become more uh, sufficient, or excuse me, efficient and successful hunter. And I know that's crazy that you can learn all that from a mapping application, but that's exactly how it's designed to be used, right? And they have a variety of different maps. You can look at satellite imagery that's updated monthly and, uh, uh, topography along with a whole bunch of other maps and and uh, really cool functionality it's only 30 bucks for an entire year so if you want to find out more information about hunt stand visit huntstand.com commercials are done now let's get into today's tree stand episode with josh stubbs all right on the phone with me today mr josh stubbs of elevate stand company how we doing man we're good Really good. Good, man. Good. A uh, whole bunch of stuff to talk about today with your brand new company. Uh, and we're we're going to get into all of the meat and potatoes uh, of that uh, here in just a moment. But uh, I, I take it that if you are bringing a tree stand to the market, you yourself are a deer hunter. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So how did your season go this year? Well, uh, it started off really awesome um i went to to colorado on an elk hunt did not kill an elk there uh, but came back and when i got home and we live in uh, south central kansas um i had about 300 pictures of a bull elk on my camera really on one of my camps yeah 
And uh, he had been he had been coming into a pond that I I put in one of my pastures. I think I built that like three four years ago, and had 300 pictures of him. I mean, he was using it kind of as a wallow. It's not a real big pond. Um, but the whole time I was in Colorado, he was pretty much there. And when I checked, by the time I checked the camera, uh, he hadn't been there for three days. And so I'm like, you know, what are the chances of him coming back? Probably very slim. I've never personally seen an elk in Kansas and I've lived there my entire life. And, um, so I went, but I went and got a, a tag that night. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah, there's not a good chance he's going to come back, but if he does come back, uh, you know, I want to be able to be able to take him. So I hunted for roughly the next three weeks as much as I could in the evening. I think I, I don't know, nine or 10 sits in that two and a half, three weeks. And, um, October 5th, he came in that evening about 20, 25 minutes before uh, legal time ended. And I was turned around looking at a soybean field because I was also hunting whitetails at the same time. Yeah. Our season opens up, you know, middle of September. And there was a specific buck I wanted to kill. And I was hoping he would slip up in September and come in early. Because um, it's, you know, at that, for in Kansas, we're still, you know, can be in a, 80s to 90s so a lot of hot days in september and i'm looking at that soybean field and then i turn around and that bull elk is standing 31 yards away (laughs) and i about fall out of the the tree stand and it happened to i was using one of our prototypes one of our first prototypes that we had made and that bull elk almost immediately walked into 21 yards um i had some minerals out and he proceeded to stand there for the next six, seven minutes, and uh, he was perfectly, you know, right on line. He was facing me. Yeah, head I on. didn't really. If, I, if, if I'd have been on the ground, I probably would have tried that shot. But um, I was, you know, fifteen feet up in the air and had a couple uh, smaller bucks coming in, making their way to the pond. And I'm like, okay, he's gonna turn around at some point, and he's gonna look at them. And sure enough, he did. He opened up that shoulder and I stuck it right in there. Uh, and it was a heart shot. He maybe went 50, 60 yards. Um, I, and I filmed it all. There's a video on YouTube. If you look up Elevate Stand Co., uh, you'll see that, that bull elk video. But um, he, he had already fallen over by the time I got my camera off the camera arm. And uh, so he died pretty quick. And then, so that was off to a great start, um, but I was chasing one particular buck uh, for the entire year, and he was pretty much a ghost. He did come by my stand, but it was like five minutes after legal, and I mean, he was standing right there. I mean, it was full moon. I could see him perfectly, Um, but obviously, legal time had passed, so didn't take the shot and I saw him a couple other times, but he just, he moved at night. He moved very, very little during the the day and I could just never catch up with him. And yeah, towards the end of the season, I don't know if he got killed during our rifle season because after rifle season, I didn't see him and some he's disappeared um, over the past several years that I've been hunting him. And my brother 
you know, was hunting him as well. Um, so maybe he'll show up next year, but I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And by that time I was just hunting to see if I could see him. So I wasn't really pursuing any other, other deer. So, yeah. but that's what happens, you know, when you chase a particular white tail, it's a fact. Yep. Can be, especially, you know, the, the ones that are up in the, the one eighties, one nineties. Yeah. Uh, those, those guys are big for a reason. It's cause they, they tend to stay away from people a lot. So. Yeah. When uh, when I think of central, you said South Central Kansas, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so when I hear when I hear South Central Kansas, I don't think about elk hunting. Is, is yeah. this is this a rare occasion for elk to be on your property, or is this a like a random thing? And how like because typically, let's say an elk shows up in Iowa, I don't think yep. you can get a tag to shoot it. Right. Yep. Well, the, I guess the thing about Kansas, you know, we border uh, Colorado and I think we're around 200 miles from the, I'd have to, you know, Google it, but I think where we live, we're around 200 miles from, from the Colorado border. And from what we can tell, a buddy of mine had talked to a uh, fish and game guy from the feds, he's always a federal game warden, and he said that four years ago, uh, when there were big wildfires in Colorado, that there was a, a herd of about 60 that followed one of the rivers into Kansas, and they lost track of a lot of them um, somewhere west of us, about 30 miles. Huh. Um, but yeah, it it is pretty rare. Like I said, I've never seen one my entire life my dad who's 73 has never never seen an elk in kansas um so it is very rare we do have a herd on fort riley um but it's a once in a lifetime draw so if i draw on that on that for that army base elk tag i never get to it's just you know once in a lifetime yeah Um, and i'm not i'm not even sure if if non-residents can apply for that yeah never never really looked into to that one but they kill you know they kill elk on that every year but it doesn't appear that that's where he came from yeah that's crazy so, man even in iowa yeah. in iowa here we have like a rare occasion where even in southern iowa this was a hand this was like 15 or even 20 25 probably closer to 25 years ago um my there was all it was all over it was talk of the town there was a moose uh, there was actually a, a bull moose with a small antlers uh, in southern Iowa, made his way down from wherever he was at, and uh, probably yeah. Minnesota or something like that, and bull moose. And then, you know, we've had black bear show up in Iowa, which is another kind of rare, yep. a rarity, which seems like every year it's more and more black bear. But it's it's crazy right. how every once in a while you'll see something or something will make its way through that never, you know, t- typically doesn't doesn't make it through yeah yeah i mean it was definitely god blessing me for sure because i I don't know where he was hanging out all summer um i talked to a lot of the farmers around and they had never seen him and then to have him you know disappear for almost three weeks and then show up that night i mean it was yeah that's nuts man so you shot him so you shot an elk in kansas Yes. Yeah. And that was actually my first elk. I've been going out to Colorado the last four years and archery. 
and um, I've been close, just not, you know, the wind would always swirl and send the bulls running or yeah. just couldn't quite get close enough to them. Uh, so I never thought my first elk would uh, would be in Kansas, but I, I did apply. My buddy and I applied for, we had like nine preference points in Wyoming, um, and so I think we're going to finally draw uh, for this fall. So we'll be going going out there but yeah i never would have guessed my first elk was in <laughs> was in kansas yeah that's nuts man well congratulations well thank you yeah thanks all right let's talk about elevate here um you know you guys are a brand new company you mentioned that you started the business um in december of this of this year and obviously it you know before that time frame. You don't just start a business and have product. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that right. happen uh, leading up to it. So yep. like with the market, the hang on market, the way it is, right? There's a lot of hang ons in this industry. Yep. Um, what was your guys's thought process of, Hey, let's start a, tr- a hang on tree stand company given the market. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it, the original idea probably started when I uh, first started deer hunting, which would have been 25 years ago. I, I grew up on a farm, and we mainly, my grandpa was a huge duck hunter, and I would go duck hunting. I went to a private school, and so I would go duck hunting with him every chance I got. The The school I went to, you could work ahead. It was kind of a at-your-pace type deal. So if you were far enough ahead, you could take a morning off or you could take an afternoon off and you could, you know, take a couple days off if you wanted to, as long as you were getting your work done. And so I just, I duck hunted a ton. Um, and then got my first job out of college and, uh, the company was Alcoa, the big aluminum company. And it was the part of their aerospace division here in Kansas. And I just started meeting guys that, not only like to hunt, but they also like to deer hunt. And so I started rifle hunting, um, quickly grew tired of that and switched over to bow. But, you know, you start getting introduced to tree stands and then, you know, I would be playing around with tree stands and kind of modifying, uh, things here and things there. And then, you know, a couple years doing that. And then, um, just kind of tabled the idea, but I always wanted to be involved in a hunting type um, company. And so spent 14 years in aerospace and then um, been running a steel fabrication company for the last 11 years. And so, you know, as you look at the market for me personally, Obviously, you know, there's a lot of choices out there and there's a lot of good companies and they make quality products. And um, I like to move around. I like to take tree stands out to Colorado because you can hunt elk, you know, from um, from a tree stand over a water hole or even here in Kansas, obviously for whitetail. And so for me, it was. And I was a, on a, I was a pro staff on a, on a couple companies and I just didn't exactly, I didn't have a tree stand that I liked everything about it. 
And so that's kind of what the, that's kind of what started the idea back up. And then 2020 hits supply chain gets hammered. A lot of the companies that do bring in uh, product from China, um, you know, you couldn't find any tree stands out there. And so that's really when the idea kind of took off even further, further is like, you know, we, we could do this and Mm -hmm. I think that we can make a quality product and we'll keep everything in house and we'll be able to keep the price point lower. Yeah. And so that was one of the, that was one of the main reasons that I think that we ultimately will be successful. One is, you know, we're putting out a quality product, but also, and it's all made in the U S. Um, but the other is the price point Yeah. that as you look at some of the, the upper end stands, they do come with a cost. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, beat those, beat those prices while still putting out a quality stand. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, you, you had hunted out of a hang on and you said there were certain things that you didn't like about, uh, some of the other tree stands that you, uh, that you had or that you were using, what were some of the things that you didn't like about those tree stands that you kind of covered in, you know, or, or brought to the table with this first hang on? Right. Well, I'll I'll answer, I'll answer that question by basically telling you or explaining to you what our tree stand does. Um, And that might be able to answer your question. If not, we'll go back through it. But when we designed this platform, obviously we wanted it as light as possible. But there is a point where when you start going ultra light, things start to flex and they're not as rigid as maybe something that I personally would like. Yeah. So when you, when you look at the platform and you look at our design, um, the, the thick rib around the outside edge and that it also there's a thick rib that kind of looks like a v yep i'm looking at it so that's where the majority of the strength comes from and, and that then, goes all the way to the back of the tree stand almost like a y right. yeah okay that's right that's right and for the record i mean we we did send it off to get third party tested um our weight rating is 300 pounds so that means that they tested it at 600 pounds now that does not mean a 600 pound person should use the tree stand. That's just, I'm just giving you know the listeners uh, an explanation for how weight ratings are are determined and decided. I don't know many 600 pound uh, guys or gals getting into <laughs> getting 15 feet in the air. <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> I just felt like I needed to say that. Right. But you're you're right. They're right. probably hunting from the ground. Right. Um, but so that that's all engineered how how it's laid out there and then obviously you know there's ribs and stuff like that i know there was uh uh, you know maybe some comments about well the holes look big and from the eye they probably do but i sent you that picture of a size 10 boot yeah but i use this stand all season long probably put about 80 sits in it and i personally did not have any problem i don't have large feet so you know guys that are a lot of guys out there that have 12 13 you know size feet they're gonna be 
fine, yeah. no problem. And I will say this, yeah. looking at looking at that stand, and maybe it's just the way some of these pictures are taken. There are mm-hmm. there are angles where the the gapping between the the ribs looks bigger. Now, the picture that I I'm, I'm looking at right now is the the picture on the the very first picture on your tree stand or on your website and on the website yeah and the holing or the the spacing of there doesn't look as big as some of the other uh, pictures that i've seen right right so yeah so there's that and the the angle of the you know whether it's taking a picture with a drone or a camera yeah the angles can definitely be deceiving for sure um but we you know we wanted this, the holes to be as large as we thought possible, obviously to keep weight down. Right. So the other, the other aspect of our stand, um, is it's a two post system and most of the, the lightweight stands that I've seen on the market are a single post system. Explain what you mean by that. Okay. So, um, those are actually two, pieces of aluminum that got cut out and then we attach them with the bracket that holds the straps. Okay. So those are, so it would actually be two pieces that are three eighths of an inch thick that then get mated together. It gets tied in with the tree bracket. It gets tied in with the seat, then the two brackets that, that hold the straps. And then it also gets tied in at the base, you know, where it, where right. it hinges right okay so it's almost like uh instead if, if we're going to compare that to a bow right it's it's a single yeah. it's a single right. riser and not a double riser yes okay yeah gotcha you could, you could you could probably say that yeah yeah okay um, and the reason that we did that was that and this is obviously you know personal opinion um but we feel that it makes that upright more rigid that when you just have a single piece and when you know you're cinching it to a tree, sometimes that can flex and can torque. And so a, a two post system we feel handles that better. Okay. So when I, when I listen to you say that, and uh, I'm looking at some of the the pictures, it, it's supposed to remove the flexibility to get a, a better grip on the tree, right? But does that then cause the platform itself or the seat itself to become off center of each other? No, no, I, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Because we, I mean, we've got, and I'm, you know, everybody has this um, trees that are crooked, you know, where they hunt. Yeah. Uh, we were just at the Pennsylvania show. Now they have a lot of straight trees from what I could see, but I'm sure they still have, you know, crooked, crooked trees out there. Um, I hang these in crooked trees all the time. I, I know that was another thing that was said that, um, that you don't have any left to right adjustment. Now you can't change anything on the tree stand itself, but I hunted with a single point of contact up top all year long. Okay. Uh, we have, we have mulberry trees, we have hedge trees, uh, the straightest trees are young cottonwood trees, but they're, you know, they're just not very big. Um, 
but uh but like i said we we i hunted where the tree was maybe veering off to the left and i was still using these tree stands in those trees gotcha so as far as an adjustment is concerned right because there's a lot of hang-ons on the market where it's only going to work in a straight tree right right so so you're saying that not only does your tree stand uh can be adjusted uh, the platform can be adjusted for a, a leaning forward, leaning back setup, but it can also yep. be adjusted uh, on a right and left, correct? Well, the, not the tree stand itself. I mean, that's, that bolt that goes through there is set. What I'm saying is, is that like the tree bracket that attaches to the tree up top or that touches the tree on the top of the stand. Yeah that you can use it with a, a single point of contact. Right, right, which would allow the leveling of right and left. Is what yeah, I'm is right. what I'm So if if the yeah. tree is leaning one way or the other, you can have that single point of contact that will allow you to the so you're so when you're in the tree stand you're not leaning over. You're one way right. or the other. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right, cool. Um so that's a that's a benefit Right. Yes. So all, all of these things that may have been mentioned in, the, in the, one of the previous episodes, you know, we're, we're getting those questions answered right now. Now, yep. what about the the manufacturing side of it? Is is this a water jetted stand or is this a cast aluminum stand? It, it is neither. It is neither. OK, uh, here we go. No, it's it's neither. OK, uh, we, we use a laser. OK. Uh, and then. um so that's how we do it. Everything is made up, is made, is cut with a laser, a fiber laser. And then our holes are, you know, precision holes on like a, you know, a, what you would find in a tool die shop. Gotcha. So it's, is yep. it punched or is it, so it's, it's laser no, cut. It, the whole thing's yeah. laser cut. Yeah. Okay. So the platform is, is half inch thick aluminum. 6061 T6. And so the laser cuts all those pieces out the same with the, uh, the pieces of three eighths inch material. Gotcha. And then the seat as well. And then we drill, drill the holes that need to be drilled. Gotcha. Okay. And yep. you, it, uh, the comment here or the, uh, on your website, hundred percent of its main components are made and manufactured in the United States. So we're talking even the cables, the screws, the straps, all that stuff. Yep. Cool. Yep. So we have a, a company out of Oregon that makes our straps. It was really hard to find a company in the U.S. And maybe that was just because we couldn't find them with our search engines. Uh, but we finally found a company in Oregon that made all the straps, uh, the cam buckles, the ratchet straps. Um, the cables are made by Fastenal, which okay. is made up in Kansas City. The seats come from a company in Wichita, Kansas. So. And then we make the, you know, the aluminum components in-house. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. So as far as the, um, that that's the stand is concerned with, with the adjustments. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, I want you to break down how this thing actually straps to the tree because we have a very unique system of yep. how, because there's no, you know, in the lone wolf's, of the world and yep. some of the, uh, the XOPs of the world, there's a, a, I guess they call it a Versa button, 
right? That everything yep. straps to. Um, you have a hook system, like a reverse hook system on, on here. Explain how that works and then talk a little bit about, because one thing, and I'm talking from a mobile guy, you're up, you're standing on a, a set of sticks, you're strapped to the tree in, in your lineman's belt, and you're trying to basically one hand hold the tree to the you know, one hand hold the tree to the tree or the stand to the tree yep. while you're reaching around the tree to kind of throw the strap into your other hand. So then you can switch hands and bring it around and ratchet it down. It, it's, it's one of the most difficult parts of hanging a tree stand. If you're, if you're going to ask me, if you ask me, right. so yeah. talk a little bit about the, the strapping system and, and how it works. Yeah. So with a two post system, you have to have a way to connect it together. Right. And part of what makes that those, the upright on the stand so rigid is those two brackets that hold it. So we drill and tap holes into those uprights and then the screws go through the brackets. I think I sent you a couple pictures that should show that pretty clear. Um, and so it's like at that point, the bracket becomes, you know, what you will attach the straps to. Yeah. I have the Versa button. Obviously there's a lot of companies that use it. It's a great tool. Um, but sometimes the, and this is once again, personal opinion. Um, when you're putting a loop on that Versa button and you're trying to cinch it down, it can, or, you know, like you said, when you're up in a tree, you're sitting back, on your safety harness with your, you know, linesman belt, uh, you that tree stand, when you're starting to cinch it down, it can kind of, depending on which way you're going, it can either pull to the left or kind of pull to the right. Exactly. Um, ours seems to do that a little less. It seems to pull it, you know, more straight back. And so I, I personally like, you know, our design and how it attaches to the tree. Um, but what you do is you put one loop. What I generally do is I, I put one loop around, uh, you know, that hook before I get up into the tree. So when I'm pulling that tree stand, there's already that hook on it. And then, uh, you know, I place it up against the tree and then throw the, um, either the ratchet strap or the cam buckle, that's the one that's getting, uh, you know, thrown around the tree just so there's some weight. And obviously yeah. it depends on, you know, if you've got a 10 inch tree you're in, then it's no problem. But if you've got a little bit bigger tree, then you may, you might need some of that weight on the end, uh, to throw it around so you can catch it. Yeah. And then you just, you simply, uh, you know, we, you can cam, ours in just like everybody else's. Um, and so that's, that's how we, how we set it. Yeah. And a lot of that pulling left and right can like the more you use that, whether it's your system or another system, you can learn to not have that happen. Right. It, <laughs> it's all about where the gap in the strap is. And once you learn how to adjust, just that, then there is no more pull left and right. right. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, that's unique, man. That's that's pretty cool. Um, when you 
When you came up with the initial idea of this, were, were there any type of patents or uh, what's that called? Uh, not necessarily patents. Uh, might have, Well, you're probably talking about a patent. Yeah, patent that you had to work around in order to uh, get this thing to come to life. Um, no, I mean, and we did recent extensive research on patents and we couldn't find anything on two post systems. And so that, that left it pretty wide open. The ones that are out there and there's tons of patents out there. Um, and it's hard to find, find them all because of the way the patent system up The searching for patents just is not, not very easy. Um, but that, you know, no one had ever, that I had seen, no one has ever done, you know, the two post system with the, those two hooks that go together and that that's how it attaches to the tree. So from what we have seen, um, you know, the patents really didn't, didn't affect us. Gotcha. All right. So there wasn't really any, anything that, you know, cause there's sometimes where an idea happens and you go, holy cow, yep. I, I want to do this. The prototype, you make the prototype and then you realize, well, man, a whole bunch of other people or maybe one other person has done this. We can never sell it this way. Then they have to go back to the drawing board and either come up with a completely idea or tweak, tweak something. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I will, I will tell you that, uh, we did originally started with a, a one post design and then we just did not like. Uh, the way that was coming together. And so we switched over to the two post design. Gotcha. So that, that obviously cleared up a lot. We felt like yeah. um, by going to that two post design, because we couldn't find anybody else out there that had made anything close to that. So gotcha. Let's talk about a little bit about the specs. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's talk about how, how much does it weigh? Um, the the platform size are the two kind of biggest things that I would be interested in. in. Yep. Yep. So, uh, the, the stand weighs 10 pounds, six ounces, and that's for what we would consider a full size stand. Okay. Obviously there's, there's stands out there that weigh less than ours. They're also smaller. Um, we had to start somewhere. Uh, we didn't want to wait another year um to bring out the stand till we had everything else done that we want to uh so we will be making a, a smaller size stand that will weigh less um but this one weighs 10 pounds six ounces the uh the seat is 12 by 10 and a half and hopefully if you you know at the iowa deer classic you can can come and sit in it but it's very, very comfortable. Uh, the base is 29 by 18.75. Gotcha. Um, and how our stand is made, and one of the reasons we went with a bigger platform, because that would have, you know, obviously shaved off, you know, maybe not a full pound, but it would have shaved off some significant weight. Yeah. Is uh, when you're sitting in that stand. The legs come down, your legs come down, and your feet are not, you don't have to tuck your feet underneath the seat. Yeah. Your your legs come down, and they're straight. You know, you got a 45-degree angle on, you know, between your top of your legs and your feet. So um, 
that that was one of the the things that we wanted in our stand uh people to be able to you know be comfortable in them and have plenty of room so th- those are pretty much the uh the spec um the uh the top to bottom uh from the base top of the base to the top of the seat is 19 and a half inches so you know it covers a wide range of of people we had a guy come by a come by a stand in in pennsylvania and he was like six five probably 260 and and he loved the stand so yeah that's awesome and i'm i'm personally i'm 510 185 so that just gives you some comparison difference yeah i was 185 in fourth grade i think so (laughs) (laughs) uh so okay uh, we have the, you know, there no, no patents. The, the, the design is unique. And so as you start to bring this to market, right, you've had it at some trade shows. Um, yep. you mentioned just now that you've seen, you know, you've had guys your size and guys eight, you know, six, five or whatever in it, big dogs like that. Um, what's, what are people's initial responses to your product like maybe talk a little bit about the good if you want to talk about the bad say that but then how you maybe you rebuttal that yeah so well the good um would be that they it was a lot more rigid than they expected um that it was more comfortable that the seat was very comfortable the distance from the platform to the seat was just about right for you know the majority of the people Um, and then it's amazing even in this day and age, how many people, um, don't know of aluminum stands. Like there was, I couldn't even count how many people came by and they expected it to weigh 20 or 30 pounds because, you know, that's what a steel stand weighs. And then they would pick it up and they just couldn't believe that it was only 10 pounds, but they could feel it. Um, so that was probably one of my biggest surprises. It's like, man, there's a lot of, you know, lightweight or lighter weight stands out there. Um, and so that was a big takeaway that there, there's still a big segment of the hunting population that just, you know, doesn't even know how light, light, you know, stands can be. So, right. And, and that's, uh, that's crazy because uh, there are uh, you nailed it right there. I mean, it's always funny talking to someone who has been a ladder stand guy for their whole life, or yep. has been a you know like they go in in the summer, they put up those the sticks that you have to ratchet strap to the trees, or a ladder that yep. you have to ratchet strap to get to a hang on that is ratchet strapped to the tree and, and there's no mobility in that, in, in that type right. of setup. Right. Obviously they're, they, they put it there and that's where it stays. Right. So, um, it is cool to see that reaction when like I show, for example, I'll, I'll show my stepdad or I'll show some of my older, uh, family members, like, here's my four set of, here's my four sticks and, this is what I take into the tree stand and I set up and I tear down every single time. They're like, are you crazy? Then they pick it up and they're like, Oh, okay. That's not so bad. Yeah. Makes, makes sense after they pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. So the initial reaction has been pretty good then. Yeah. The, uh, probably, um, 
the biggest asked question was when are we coming out with sticks? Yeah. And obviously I know, I mean, I do it myself. You're a mobile hunter. Uh, you've got to have the sticks that complement the stand. Right. And we are working on that. It's still in engineering. It's still in prototypes. We're not ready to, to release it. Um, but sticks are coming. Gotcha. And and we knew that going in, but once again, it was like, okay, our stand's ready. We can at least get our name out there. We can start meeting people. Um, they can at least, you know, get introduced to us so that when our sticks do come out, that we already have, you know, a, a customer base that we can, that we can draw from. Um, but I can promise everyone that the, the sticks will attach to the platform uh, they will integrate. We are working on with a company, a backpack that would be able to um, attach to the, the platform. And so you'd be able to carry it in. You wouldn't have to have, you know, two straps. You would have, you know, just the straps from your backpack and it would be able to, you know, it'd be big enough to carry all of your stuff. But back to the biggest thing that people were asking for was when our sticks are going to come out. So yeah. we're hoping in a, another month, month and a half, uh, that we'll be able to announce something. We're just not quite there yet. Right. So this, you guys seem to be falling into the trend of what's going on in the, in the tree stand market. Right. So like Timber Ninja, they come out, um, they have their lineup and now they're getting in there. They're going to get a backpack and they have a stand or excuse me, a, a saddle that's coming out. It's, it seems right. like you guys are getting into the sticks now. You're going to be getting into the backpack. Are are there any um, uh, hints or ideas rolling around about a saddle in your guys' heads? Uh, I don't know if, if we want to get into the saddle itself, but um, we had a bunch of people ask us about saddle platforms. Um, and so that that is something definitely on the table. Uh, we're also, you know, looking at, cause we also had a lot of guys were like, Hey, we love this stand. Can you make it smaller? And we're like, you know, we're working on it. We're just not done with the, with the prototype. So there's a lot in the work in the works for us. Um, obviously it will still all be made in the U S and it will be consumer direct for the most part. So, you know, to keep costs down. Um, but yeah, all that, all that is on the table. So, yeah. Okay. I, I personally, I'm not a saddle hunter. I like the tree stands. Um, but I do, I definitely see how it can be advantageous in certain situations. And, and, you know, for some guys that that's, that's how they hunt a hundred percent of the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Obviously it's a, it's a growing trend. So if we can be, you know, be of benefit to that that trend we definitely will gotcha all right now let's talk about this uh, it's a the the price point okay so on, online 460 is you know 459.99 460 is what the stand cost you know i think the 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 beast stand uh some of the uh the hunting uh the Lone Wolf Custom Gear stand is one of their stands is up there too in price. So it really is uh, the Timber Ninja stand is going to be pretty expensive. I mean that's double with that carbon fiber one, but um, right. but you know for 
that that pretty much segments out a, a big majority of people, right? So when you come to market with a with a tree stand that is 460, it's it's much higher than an XOP or much higher than a Lone Wolf, um, and and some of the other comparable stands on the market. A lot of people look at that and they go, "I'm out." They don't even care what the functionality of the tree stand is. They don't care that it's made in America. They look at it and they go, I'm out just because of price. What is like, how would you respond to me uh, talking about the price point and, and maybe potentially talk about who your demographic is that you see buying this stand? Yeah. Well, the, the first thing that I would want you to do is to pick it up. I would want to show you the, the adjustments that you can make. Um, we had a lot of people, we would tell them the price and they're like, oh man, that's really expensive. And it is, I mean, 460, I mean, that's, that's a good amount of money. Um, but then we talk about the engineering behind it. We talk about that it's made in the U S Yeah. and then when they actually feel it is another big selling point for them. But then when they actually sit in it, that's kind of when we saw, um, minds getting changed on, on the price point and then they actually look at the stand up close um because it, it is precision made um you're not talking about you know huge tolerances they're they're very small tolerances on on the holes and the holes placement and you know it's a fiber laser so you know those things are are dead on so when you get past that that's when they kind of start seeing okay absolutely this th- this price point is not that bad for what you're getting that and the fact when you talk about uh, material pricing and what aluminum did and even steel uh, steel in last year i mean it got all the way up to two thousand dollars a ton and that's a huge increase from where it was because back in 2020, I think it was around 450. And this is, we're just talking hot rolled steel, nothing special. And then what aluminum did, I mean, every time we would call in, okay, we need another piece because we want to run another prototype. Uh, the price just on aluminum just kept going up and up and up. Um, so when you talk about all of that, uh, then that price point, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem to scare them off as much. So yeah, that, that's what I would say is feel it, pick it up, see how it attaches to the tree and then actually sit in it. And you guys are direct to consumer, right? That's right. Right. That's right. We may, we may be working with a couple archery shops, uh, but for the most part, I really would like to stay away from the big box stores. Yeah. I'd like to stay closer to the, to the customer. Yeah. And, you, the price point stays lower exactly. if we're consumer direct. Exactly. You know, exactly. obviously, if you're selling to somebody else and they they got to make their money selling it to someone else, then obviously price just shoots up. And I just would rather not do that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's funny when I go into like a a Bass Pro Shop and I look at items. I go, man. And knowing what I know about manufacturing and, and uh, retail supply chain, right? It, it, you look yeah. at a product and you go, oh man, that's real expensive. But it's 
if you take out that big box store out of the equation, and if a customer did sell something direct, it would be probably half of that, right? You know, a lot of these bigger, bigger companies are wanting 50 points, um, as far as margin is concerned. And, uh, it just makes things, yeah. I mean, your, your tree stand would go to a thousand dollars in a heartbeat, right? If uh, that's just not something I'm willing to do. Exactly. Nor, nor want to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I remember when I was 21, fresh out of college, and I was trying to get into deer hunting, and, you know, I couldn't afford a lot. And so I know, you know, what money means to people. And so that's what that was the main reason why we're not going to go into those big box stores. We'll just stay consumer direct. Maybe, like I said, maybe a couple select archery shops. Uh, But for the most part, we want to be in connection with that customer. Yeah. All right. You mentioned sticks. Um you know, are going to become in a, a different size of tree stand potentially here in the future. Uh, where do you guys yep. see yourself in maybe five to 10 years and, and what kind of products complement your vision in five to 10 years? Oh man. You know, I don't even know if we've had time to talk about 10 years. Um, we're focused right now on the smaller tree stand, a platform, a camera arm, um, and then the, obviously the sticks, um, but we'll probably get in, there's, you know, a lot of product that's made in China and companies bring it back. And our main goal in this company is to produce American made product yeah. that they can get it. You know, we can't compete on everything. I mean, that's why people go to China, um, is because it's hard to compete on price uh but that that's our main goal is to to get this this line out there for everybody um all those products that i just talked about and then start looking at other opportunities to maybe we can start bringing back stuff that was made in china maybe you know maybe we're private labeling for other companies because we we can do that um but that that's our main goal right now yeah i gotcha so then I guess we've, we've kind of run the, run the floor here today. If there's a guy out there, he hears you, he hears it. And let's just say made in America. First off, first off, I want to say that, you know, making your product in, in America is very admirable. It's something that I look at a lot when I'm going to purchase anything, whether it's something for my house or office to, you know, a tree stand. You know, some things you can win at, some things you can't win at. But yep. uh, I think that's very admirable. So there's a guy out there. He's he's he hears this and he's going to start researching. Hang on, tree stands. Whether he's mobile, whether he's not mobile, whatever. Why should he take a hard look at Elevate? Well, first I'm going to say is that we're going to be around for a long time. Um, but the second reason is he's going to have direct interaction with myself and my brother um we do it all day long whether it's on instagram facebook i've given out my cell phone to numerous people if you got any issues we're going to stand 100 percent behind the product that we make um and just give us a chance but the biggest selling point is if they can actually get in a stand and feel it so the shows that we're going to be doing we're going to be doing the iowa deer classic 
We're going to be doing a sportsman show in Olathe, Kansas. We're going to be doing the Illinois Deer Classic. So if there's anybody that's listening that is going to go to any of those shows, please come by our booth. We're going to have the stand set up to where you can get in it, feel it, sit on it. So Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Josh, man, uh, good luck with everything. Hopefully the the momentum keeps rolling in your guys' favor and uh, you, you, uh, you keep spreading the word about the pod or the the product and the tree yeah. stand takes off man so I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day good luck with everything and maybe i'll see you at the iowa deer classic yeah hopefully we'll see you and and thank you once again uh for having us on the podcast 